Hey everybody, welcome to a very special Valentine's Day episode of Ideal Remake. You probably hear a snowblower outside behind me right now because we are in the middle of a huge blizzard in Michigan. Today's episode of the podcast, we have guest comedian Heather Kozlikowski. At the end, I compliment her and let her know who she is to me, and I think it threw her off and we didn't really get a super plug from her, so I wanted to do that up top. Please check out her website, heatherkozlikowski.com. That's Heather the normal way, and Kozlikowski, probably the normal way, but let's spell it anyway, K-O-Z. L-A-K-O-W-S-K-I. You can find out about the shows she performs in and produces, like the Fat Bottom Girls with comedian Samantha Rager. I always call her Sam, so I threw myself off when I said wanted to go Samantha on that. Sam will be on an upcoming episode of Ideal Remake very, very soon. We'll be talking about Buckaroo Banzai. There, now you know a little something special. And uh, you can also find out about the Laugh Riot Dolls, which, as we touch on in this episode, I will be performing at one of those shows at Gilda's Laugh Fest March of 2017 in Grand Rapids. Heather will be at the Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Michigan coming up in September of this year. And also make sure you click on the writing section on her website so you can find out about the great writing that Heather does in addition to the comedy that she performs. And one final shout out to our Facebook community. You guys are doing amazing work of keeping conversations fun. It's something I love checking out every single day. Extra special shout out to my buddy Dougie, Paul Duggan, who has generated some really fun posts and made for some delightful conversations and insights from people. I love going to that site. It's a really good group of people and I urge you to check it out. Now, on with the episode. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt. And this is Ideal Remake. We are here today with one of my oldest friends who actually turned us on to a movie that neither me nor you have seen before. Am I right in that? That's correct. All right. We're hanging out with comedian and founder of the Laugh Riot Dolls, Heather Koslikowski. Woo! Hey! Hey. Applause. Oh, no. Applause. (laughs) I mean, not loud applause, but that's fine. (laughs) Silent applause. I'm okay with that, too. I dropped the ball on that. I'm sorry. I only did one round of classes at Second City. I didn't. Yes, and. Well, no, I I think we were about to clap, and then we both realized we were on microphone and didn't want to, like, break the sound. (laughs) Do all your guests demand clapping? No, you are the first one who who has. Nice. One of one of our uh, guests demanded hooting and hollering, but that was about it. Uh, I think that makes that person more narcissistic than me. I think I right. can't speak to that. <laughs> I don't win. know you that well. <laughs> you will, Sam. You all will. right. Okay. I think I've made sorry. quite the impression so far. We're doing <laughs> great. <laughs> Sam and I are having a great time. <laughs> well, you guys are where it's sunny and warm. Uh, there's snow on the ground here, so you know it's mm. crazy. But about the time that this airs, Heather and I will be in. Grand Rapids for Laugh Fest, Gilda's Laugh Fest, a comedy festival in Grand Rapids that supports Gilda's House, uh, which is such a great, great cause. Like the comedy festival itself is amazing just because of the lineup and the promoters and everything. But when you throw on the fact that the festival itself is to raise money for such an important organization, it it just really adds to it. For people who don't know what what Gilda's House is, can you tell them? Because I I haven't heard of this particular charity. I know who Gilda Ratner is, but I don't know what the charity is. Do you want to take it, Heather, or do you want me to? Um, Uh, Well, to the best of my knowledge, I believe that Gilda's House is a place where when people are being treated for cancer, that their family members can go and have a supportive community. That's how I understand it. Am I right? Wonderful. Gilda Radner is originally from Detroit, which is why Gilda's House was founded in Royal Oak, I believe, and then uh, opened many houses across the United States. Um, And just to um, make a little correction, I will not be there. Wait, what? Yeah, no, I produce shows um, in Michigan. I'm not always performing on them. So with this one, I'm not performing on it. I am out. I quit. I'm not doing the show now. (laughs) And that actually leads me to some podcast follow-up. Our podcast follow-up, inspired by this talk of Gilda Radner, is last night I went to go see A Futile and Useless Gesture. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? It's really good. You it went was... to go see it? You didn't just watch it on Netflix? So I'm in the Writers Guild, and the mm-hmm. Writers Guild has screenings every now and again, Ooh. and this particular one was going to have a, like a talk back afterwards with the creators, and also... 
I didn't know it was on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> so, but no, yeah. Okay. So I, I went with friend of the show, Zach, and his girlfriend, Bethany, and uh, we went and watched it. It was really funny and super entertaining. And it's a follow-up because we talked about it briefly on our Animal House episode. Correct. And, which I listened to. Yeah. And with uh, another fellow comedian from Detroit, Dave Landau. Had to check that out. And I actually watched this film on Netflix because uh, of your podcast. Oh. And I was talking about it. Yay, David Perfect. Wayne owes us circle. $7.99 yeah. for Netflix month. <laughs> And then, but what was really sad was that there weren't that many people at this particular screening. Mike, you came with me to see uh, the Hitman's Bodyguard at the WGA, right? And that that was a fairly full theater. This was the most empty I've ever seen it, and it was for a talkback afterwards. And it was so sad. It's probably because, like Heather said, it is on Netflix. The thing is, is that at, at the this talkback, they were talking afterwards about how um, who's the guy who plays old Doug Kenny? Martin Mall. Martin Mall. And they talk about how for people who aren't as familiar, they're going to watch this movie and think that that's actually old Doug Kenny. And so like the punch at the end where Doug Kenny uh, kills himself and they're, they're at the funeral is going to hit a lot harder because people aren't going to realize that he did that. I was one of those people. I read the Live from New York book that a lot of the quotes were pulled from from uh, the people at the funeral, but I had forgotten that Doug Kenny was the person who uh, had died. So it even gut punched me at the end. So Mike, you've never seen the movie Ghost. I have never seen Ghost. It came out in 1990 after I had my heart broken in 1988 and 1989. So I had no interest in going on date movies in 1990. So it, completely flew under my radar. What about you, Sam? You were... Uh, So if it came out in 1990, I was two years old. Uh, And so I've never seen it. And part of the reason I've never seen this movie is because, well, my name is Sam and my sister's name is Molly. Ah. And that's a little weird for us. Oh, but you didn't know that. Well, here's the other thing, Heather. (laughs) Sam and his sister used to have very erotic clay modeling sessions that... um... Wait, is this like uh, playing with Barbies and making them have sex, but they they were clay models? Mike's implying that we did the scene with the throwing clay. Oh, let's not jump ahead. Let's not jump ahead. <laughs> I, I just shared too much about my childhood. Just so you know, all the Barbies had sex. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is that I was I was having a phone conversation with my mom and uh, we were talking about how I was having to watch, like the night I was watching the movie, I told her I have to watch Ghost tonight because I've never seen And she was like, oh my God, that is one of my favorite movies. Yay! And I was like, no shit. She was like, oh wait, not for that reason. Oh. Because I, like, because the Sam and Molly thing. Because she named her kids Sam and Molly. But if it, the movie came out in 1990, obviously the Sam got in there first. Yeah. It just happened to be that Molly ended up being a good name for my sister. But like, she was like, no, 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 no. I, it's still one of my favorite movies. I'm surprised you haven't seen it, but it makes sense now. So tell me how much you both loved Ghost. Wait, wait a second. I think we're, we're stepping on a big scoop here. Sam's mom is a time traveler. <laughs> she has lots of skills. I mean, who knows what an audiologist really does? He sells hearing aids. <laughs> you want to know what we thought? What I thought of Ghost, Heather? I loved it. I am Yay! upset that I have not watched it sooner. This was a oh. really good, touching yes. movie. Yes, And oh. I'm really glad we watched it. What about you, Sam? I agree. Yay! <laughs> I feel like I win. Do I win? I mean, the movie was super cute and adorable and a love story. And I have so many questions, oh. but it's a good, adorable story that like, I thought it was going to be one of those, like the notebook. It's all about like the romance, the falling in love, but no, that's kind of the B storyline. And though it is so moving. It is like Patrick Swayze is so vulnerable and Demi Moore is so. And I didn't know Whoopi Goldberg was in the movie. Oh, and isn't she beautiful? She's Everyone's great. so young and good looking. Like, I haven't seen it in a long time. I had to keep turning my head because I didn't want Allison to see my eyes welling up. So. <laughs> So my connection to Ghost and why I picked it, well, number one, I would listen to your podcast when you asked me to do it. And I was like, I cannot do this podcast. These guys are wicked smart. They know a lot about movies. I just cannot keep up with them. And then, so I was like, okay, Mike asked me what movie I would want. Like, could I really, like, do I even care? Like, what would I want? And I'm like, oh, Ghost was such a big part of my life as a young teen. I believe it formed me into the woman I am today. I watched it on <laughs> like, VHS. Like sculpting clay. You were formed into the- <laughs> Yes. All right. Now I get the clay reference. Ah. Well, I'm not going to- miss those ones again <laughs> exactly so i'm pretty passionate about it so number so my connection to it is i watched it on vhs like i feel like every weekend for months and months and months when i go to the dentist i sing henry the eighth i am but this might be too much for people who haven't seen the film but yeah i when i go to the dentist and they're drilling in there they're doing their work i sing henry the eighth i am just like patrick swayze over and over again um and i actually i got i worked with tony goldwyn i so did, did I. the film i have Yay! a feeling you and i are on the same thing conviction yes you were in conviction yes yes oh so I mean, it was. Did you get to audition for him? No, I'm just an extra in, in conviction. I got the audition, and I'm standing in the hallway, and I can hear his voice, and I'm like, oh, 
oh my god I mean I was like it was ghost came right back to me and like my chest got all red and flustered and he is so like this is him as an older man not that he's older but he's so good looking in person he's better looking in person than he is on film like he's just he's tall um and then super nice I got to do like all these different characters and he gave me direction um but hearing his voice I was took me right back to ghost and I was super excited it was a really it was a really great experience and then I was like one step above an extra I was the jury foreman so everybody oh, else yeah, I'm working with that. is an extra. I do remember that. And I'm the jury foreman. So, um, so, but even that, like being, you know, this is what happened. I walk on to set. I'm so excited. Cody Goldwyn comes up and I'm like trying to, you know, I don't know. I'm just like going to my jury box or whatever. And he, he greets me. He like, he comes right up to me, greets me. And like Sam Rockwell's in the room and everything, you yeah. know, and he comes up to me, the jury foreman and greets me. He gives me a hug, gives me a kiss on the cheek. And it was like, welcome. And I'm like, oh, yay. So, yeah, even though he's the bad guy in Ghost. Am I ruining this by giving too much information to you? I don't no. think so. Even I though, think you're making <laughs> Even though he's the bad guy in Ghost, man. He, it was, it, anyway, so those are my those are my two, well, my three connections to Ghost. And it really did form me, I think, dude. Like, ugh, let's just talk about it. Right. <laughs> well, my crazy thing about Ghost is that they get to the, the throwing the clay scene, the one that we're making fun of, like the kind of the, the iconic Ghost scene. And I was expecting him to have already been a Ghost at that point, but he's not. Like, they're both still alive. Yeah, from the little I had I saw no, of clips I, of that, I always thought that he had already been a ghost. I was surprised that it mm-hmm. happened early and it was so Isn't touching. it so sexy? It is. It really is. I mean, is. that too, I guess. Oh, yes. See, it is so <laughs> sexy. Well, what made me feel a little bit bad because, so we're recording this at the beginning of February and I just completed something in January called Sunday Sketch Series. And one of the sketches that was written was a parody of Ghost. Mm-hmm. And in that parody, the, the actress keeps like, singing the song and bringing her dead husband back but she's doing it while throwing clay and the sketch is like she's having him go off and do like oh I'm so glad you're here can you fix this light bulb I'm so glad you're here those shelves you meant to build just they haven't been built yet like really and it's a funny concept but now I'm realizing that it's flawed because that's not what happens in ghosts Mm. she doesn't like that's not the ghost scene Mm -hmm. they're wrong right I didn't write it (laughs) I'm too intense for Sam, I think. <laughs> well, let's go through the plot of Ghost. Let's break it down. It's the story of Sam and Molly who move into an improbably large New York loft apartment. Well, he's a he's a Wall Street banker, and yet we like him. Yeah, he is very likable in this. Isn't he? Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Jerry Zucker, who directed this, who is one third of Zaz, Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker, who did the airplane movies and the Police Squad series and Naked Gun and Top Secret, did not want Patrick Swayze to play the lead after seeing him in Roadhouse. He's like, there's no way. I don't want this guy, which was kind of funny because the screenwriter, Bruce Joel Rubin, did not want one of the Zucker brothers to direct his movie either. And then it all turned out that you ended up with this, I'll say it, a masterpiece. It's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love you guys. This is, I thought I was going to have to defend it. Oh no, come on. Yeah, it was when, uh, it was when Patrick Swayze did the final scene in the audition and everyone cried, even though they knew the ending. They were so moved. Oh, that last line. Ugh. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> we'll get there. The hair on oh, my yes, arms it. just stood on end. Yes, yes. My legs are tingling. My thighs are tingling, which is how I know I'm connected to something, just All right. so you know. Um, so uh, they move into this improbably large apartment and it's Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and Tony Goldwyn. And I'm like, oh, Tony Goldwyn. Mm-hmm. Patrick Swayze dies in this movie because so I know he's a ghost. Tony Goldwyn definitely kills him. Like I knew right away. Okay. Did it ruin it for you? I knew right away. So it was one of those things that I was like, I was just waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And the movie's called Ghost. So you're waiting for him to die. Mm-hmm. And so he then finally does. And you're just like, all right. So when do we find out that it's Tony Goldwyn? When do we find but out? Don't you love it when he does find out like how he finds out, how, how Patrick Swayze finds out, finds out and how he goes after the car and is like, you are my friend. Yeah. Oh. And he's just trying to punch him. And yeah. And he's like, like, you were my friend. Patrick Swayze is so vulnerable and such a sexy man. It's just like the perfect dude. Here's a question for you, Heather. Since you saw it when it first came out, this was Tony Goldwyn's second movie ever after Friday the 13th Part 6. Did you wow. know right away that Tony Goldwyn was going to end up being a bad guy? Because... No, I, I was a kid. I didn't know anything. I, I didn't know. Like, I, I had no idea. I, I thought maybe this could be one of those movies like P.S. I Love You, where the ghost is going to help the significant other move on with their life. So. No, if anything else, he does the opposite of that. Oh, yeah. But I didn't know up until that reveal. And I was kind of bummed because I think of oh, Tony Goldwyn you? now as a person who has been a leading man or at least a supporting role. I didn't naturally think of him as a bad guy in this. So it did catch me by surprise. So Carl and Sam are big fancy bankers and somehow money keeps going missing. Crazy. What are the odds? When Sam gave him the password or whatever he did, that was when I started to go, ah, 
ah, something might be up. But when it was the three of them moving in and both the guys are shirtless and Demi Moore is just sort mm-hmm. of like, oh yeah. <laughs> then I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of a uh, conflicted, complicated love story. Real quick, Sam, in your in the podcast that you guys did about Goonies, mm-hmm. you had talked about the title um, in the beginning and how that had surprised you, The Big Skull. Yeah. Did you have that same feeling when Ghost started? When it's, did you, it's did a you, weird, creepy, empty apartment. But when it's like ghost and like just ghost comes up and it's, I think it's silent and then there's like a shock of sound. Did you notice that? I did. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, I rented this movie via YouTube mm-hmm. and I knew that there'd be a couple minutes of opening credits. So I went to the bathroom. Oh, so you missed it. I, well, I heard the sound. I was like, oh, a thing just happened. Yeah. So I went back to my computer and I like clicked back in time. and I was like, what just happened? Oh no, it just says ghost. Okay. I'm good. No, but it sets it up. Like it's a terrifying film. It, oh, you know what? I was That's wondering true. at that moment, just because Sam is not does not digest scary movies well, I was wondering at the beginning if Sam was going to see that and be like, oh, what have they gotten me into? I remember thinking that and I remember having that emotion, but then when I, but it faded really quick. The oh. only reason I remember is because you're bringing it up just now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that that was the case. That's not even one of my questions. <laughs> and I've you got questions. questions. Okay. <laughs> How weird is it too that this is really Tony Goldwyn's second movie after a Friday the 13th movie, considering he's from the Goldwyn dynasty, Goldwyn being the G in MGM. Well, the research I did said that it was his wife that helped him get the part. His wife was more successful than, than him at the time. I researched this because you guys are so smart. I was like, I can't just go in talking about how much I love it. I have to find some things out. Well, here's some research for you, Heather. Do you know the exact kind of cat is in the center of the MGM logo? I'll give you a hint. I'd be lying if I said it was a tiger. Yeah. Oh my God, Mike. <laughs> did you really think I didn't know it was a lion or do you just want to say that? I just wanted to say that you know me well enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So yeah, so Tony Golden's wife um, was you know just more successful than him at the time working on these bigger films, and she was like you know um, Carl's not cast, Carl's not cast. Bug your agent, bug your agent, and he did. And then they saw his audition and, and uh, booked him. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Like his performance was great mm-hmm. because he's kind of a slow build. Even when he's talking to Willie Lopez, you're like, okay, it's interesting. Like he, you don't really get that he's like full on crazy pants evil until he's threatening to kill uh, Demi Moore. Yeah. Oh, you didn't? Okay, I thought. Okay, so Willie Lopez is the character that actually kills. Sam Wheat, Patrick right. Swayze. Um, he wasn't supposed to. He was just supposed to steal his wallet so that Carl could get the codes to be able to get into the money that's been stored in the bank accounts mm-hmm. for the drug dealer, which is super scary. Is that who that is? That was a drug dealer? I believe that. I remember him saying that. A drug dealer. I just thought it was some sort of like mafioso Don. I think he said drug dealer to mm-hmm. um, Lopez. Yeah, I was never really that clear on the motivation other than to get money for Carl's So when he goes, when he, go, when he does go to Willie... When he goes to Willie's apartment. And well, he... we're jumping the head a little bit. Let's, uh. Are we? Yeah. yeah. So Sam and Molly are super in love. Sam is a Wall Street guy. Molly is, uh, sculpts large an pieces. Artist. She's an artist. They have their super sexy clay scene, even though, like, after they have it, it's one of those, um, super fast movie cleanups where in the very next shot, they don't have clay all over them. It's kind of like Randy in a Christmas story where he eats like a pig and has mashed potatoes all over his face, but then the leg lamp shows up and his face is super clean, which I guess makes sense because if they hadn't cleaned up and they had gotten it on, then Demi Moore definitely would have gotten a UTI and, um... And then they would have spent three days cleaning the apartment and they never would have gone to Macbeth and then Sam would never have gotten shot and killed. Listen, they were not that dirty. They could have just washed their hands. They were uh, super uh, you know, dirty. She just had a little, no, she just had a little bit of clay on her nose. Her hands were in the clay. Yeah, you wash your hands, guys. Like, but it didn't look like they washed their hands. Listen, I am an expert on modeling clay because in high school I made an Iron Maiden Eddie pencil holder. So um <laughs> gives me the authority Wait, to. Can we talk about something for a second? Sam and Molly went to the theater and then were killed in an alley. If yeah. they had a kid, that kid would be Batman. Yeah, this is my thought. I think this movie touches both men and women for all of these different reasons. And I think that the murder scene, it touches you guys on that Batman level. Batman. Well, you're not with me on that one? I did definitely think of Batman while it was happening. It was one of those things where during that scene, I was really frustrated that she just kind of stood by the side and was like, come on, Sam, hey, 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 instead of jumping in where she's modeling all these large pieces. So, you know, you can already see in the scenes where Demi Moore is sleeveless that she has a lot of upper body strength. I'd argue that Demi Moore could have taken down Willie Lopez just as easily as Patrick Swayze. And she can handle a sledgehammer. Yeah. Of the opening scene. 
Yeah. I think it's all her true. fault that, that he died. Well, my one thing that I thought of seeing this movie again recently, oh, last night, is that she wasn't adding any pressure to the wound. She was just letting her hand be all floppy doppy on top of it. And blood was everywhere. If yeah. she had she had applied pressure, I don't think he would have he, he well, could I mean, have survived. He was already dead. No, help was coming. Help was coming, but he was already out of his body. He because was already dead. Oh, you're saying he died instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he started running right away after him. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was already dead, so relevant. But I agree with you if it weren't for the fact that narratively they'd killed him already. Right. The craziest thing in this movie is the thought that uh, Sam Wheat, a Wall Street banker, would go to heaven at all. But again, <laughs> that's me projecting. No, he was a good guy. He was doing nice things. I've been in love. Anyone else? Uh, yes, Mike? Yes. yes. Have you been in love with him? Nah, nah. No? I hear it's nice. Okay, so when I don't know about you, Mike, but when I am in love, and I, it, it's like you constantly, I, I'll speak it, okay, I'll use I terms, my therapist taught me this. <laughs> <laughs> I constantly am in fear of that person dying. Oh, yeah. So that really, is it because of Ghost? Maybe, because it was my formative years. But when I'm in love, I'm in constant fear. Like, I just think that person's going to die. Don't walk in, down any dark alleys after seeing theater Shakespearean plays. <laughs> Trust me, Sam, I would not. I have, yeah, I have the fear that something bad will happen to Allison and I can't prevent it. And I also have the fear that I will fuck it up somehow. And I think that's what Sam Wheat feared too. Yeah. Because he was like, the bum, I'm afraid the bubble will burst, which is like, I'm afraid the other shoe will drop. You know, that's why. Can I talk about this? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm worried absolutely. about, am, am I spoiling too much of the film? We're, I mean, theoretically, what we're most, to do? most people will have seen this movie. Oh, like whatever I've mentioned to people that okay. I haven't seen Ghost, they think it's weird. It's super weird. So Sam I think couldn't... Mike and I are far more in the minority. Okay. So Sam couldn't say I love you he had to say ditto because yeah. of all of those fears. And I really, I, I can say I love you, but I really am in, I'm in constant fear um, when I am in love that that person's going to die. I'm glad that that was such an element of the movie. It always, two things always bug me in movies. One, when people don't say goodbye when they hang up the telephone. And two, yeah. when someone says I love you and the other person doesn't say it back. Unless it's pivotal to that character like this or the whole Han Solo, Princess Leia, I love you, I know thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and- this, it came up because cutting forward, Sam Wheat, who is now a ghost, is going and he's he's hanging around. He goes to the hospital and he meets old guy hospital ghost and he learns kind of how ghosts work. And he's kind of following around Demi Moore. And then Willie Lopez breaks into their apartment to try and get the wallet and try and get the bank codes. And Sam follows him back to his apartment. And around in that neighborhood, he finds Otome Brown, mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg, a medium who all of a sudden Sam and she at the same time discover that they can communicate with each other. And that's really cute. I wouldn't say she was a medium. I'd say she was a above average. Mm-hmm. She only won an Oscar. I know. Mm-hmm. I had to look to see who she was up against because I do think Whoopi is great in this, but I do not think she was Oscar great in this. And she did win against some pretty formidable people that year. She beat Annette Benning for Grifters, who was good, but in all fairness, I think Angelica Houston was even better in Grifters. She beat Lorraine Bracco for Goodfellas. And, you know, Francis Ford Coppola doesn't really do female characters too well. But she also beat Diane Ladd for Wild at Heart and Mary McDonald for Dances with Wolves. You will both be excited to hear that of those movies, I've seen Goodfellas. <laughs> I did not like it. Noted. That doesn't surprise me. I might have liked it if it was an hour shorter. What did you guys think of Whoopi's performance? Do you think it was Oscar great? I don't know. I mean, I kind of came in with the knowledge that she did win an Oscar for it, but her performance of everyone in the movie was that, like, that was my favorite performance of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought she did a, a really good job. And I think that, well, she, yeah, you know what? I do think it was. Nice. She, okay. she, thanked Patrick Swayze and it's their relationship. You know, it's it's their connection. It's how they how their relationship and how they responded to each other and how they grew and it evolved, you mm-hmm. know? Those two together made a great couple. Yeah, and I guess he recommended her for the role or she had been up for it and he said to casting, like, no, I think you should cast Whoopi or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he wouldn't do it unless she was cast. Yeah. Good call. Maybe here's my problem with it. Maybe it's that I think the strength of the movie is that Demi and Patrick don't play it super big. Maybe the fact that she does balances things out, but maybe that's what makes me think think that her performance was a little big, but I think the levity was good for it. I, I don't know. I, I don't want it to come off like I didn't like her in this. I did like her a lot in this. I think she's excellent. I was just sort of like, eh, Academy Award. Maybe part of it also, too, is that I think the score by Maurice Jar, who did like Lawrence of Arabia and stuff like that, he was nominated for an Oscar for this as well and didn't win. And this was one of those movies where I was like, well, I need to download the soundtrack now so <laughs> I can just drive around and cry <laughs> like a weirdo. Have you seen Telephone? No. It's starring Whoopi Goldberg. I don't know if she wrote it or not, but it's like just Whoopi. 
when she was young, you know, back in the day. I'd have to look it up to see. It's just Whoopi, and she's talking on the phone the entire film, and possibly it's a short. Uh, and at the end, you discover that she goes through all these, I think she's like having fight. She's going through all this big stuff. And she, in the end, you find out she's talking to no one. Oh, wow. Oh. Whoopi's got skills. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I mean, she's good. I mean, she's, yeah. she's got her EGOT. Does she? Yeah. Her Emmy is a daytime Emmy, but she's got an Emmy. But what I was going to say is I'm actually jumping ahead a little bit. One of the most heartbreaking things in this movie for me was when Sam Wheat makes her give away the $4 million. And I'm just like, but no, let her have it. It's just money. It's going to be no, fine. It's stolen money. Yeah. That would have been wrong. It's money stolen from a bank. I have a hard time feeling bad about it. I felt bad because it was like, but what weirded me out a little bit, and I know I'm jumping ahead, is Whoopi Goldberg says, okay, when they're sitting in the closet after, they're sitting in the closet and uh, Whoopi Goldberg says, okay, tell me your plan. Tell me everything about your plan. And S- Sam says, okay. And then they get to the bank and she has no idea what any other parts of the plan are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like watching her give away $4 million, money that would literally change her life and the life of everyone she cares about. And I'm just like, no. I loved it. Well, it changed the lives, presumably, of a lot of people. Of the Catholic Church. It. Yeah, which, you know, I'm not a fan of the Catholic Church, but I think the intention was good. The intention was good. And I think it shows the relationship between the respectful relationship between Sam and Otome. Yeah. It shows yeah. that, that she, you know what I mean? Like they, they care about each other and she, and they're both good people. Mm-hmm. I think it, it tells us that. Well, they need to be good people. Or they else. qualify. They go to the good place. We assume that she will. We don't know, but. I, here's the thing. At the end of this movie, both she and Demi Moore discover incontrovertibly that there is a good place and a bad place. Mm-hmm. They literally see him go to the good place. If this doesn't convince Whoopi Goldberg to then become the person in Sister Act who goes and becomes a nun. And I know this isn't the plot of Sister Act, but like, to, like if they don't, <laughs> yeah. they don't. I was going to say, you missed a very important detail of Sister Act. Yeah, there. no, I know she's hiding out and she's pretending to be in them. Essentially, they're going to spend the rest of their lives just like, okay, now we know for sure heaven exists. We have to make sure we get there. I got a whole nother theory about this. So I love that aspect of it and I think that it formed me as well. I think if you kill another person, I think that's the only thing that takes you to the bad place. Disagree and I'll tell you why. When Sam is in the hospital uh, and he's talking to an uh, old guy hospital ghost and they're watching the other guy, the black guy dies and gets taken off to heaven, the old guy says, oh, He's going to the, the good place or whatever he says. Could have gone the other way. You never know. You never know which way mm. someone's going to go. Well, how would the old man know if they were a murderer? He wouldn't. Right. So he'd never know. So he thinks that like he's been hanging out in the hospital watching people die left and right. And you think that there is a large number of murderers in that hospital? I mean, I haven't lived Huge in New York. Huge city. But... I think they're killing each other left and right. Actually, no, I hear really great things about New York that people are really wonderful. But <laughs> I mean. <gasps> All right. Well, okay. That's, uh, that's, that's my in-universe disagreement. I oh, hope that's okay. That's okay. So, I mean, that's essentially the movie. Sam gets killed and he finds out that, and he, and with the help of this, not a medium, but still pretty okay, uh, Otome Brown, they kind of like figure out a way, figure out who killed him, figure out why, and they figure out a way to get back and get even, and then also try to protect and save Demi Moore, ultimately leading in a final showdown where the two bad guys get killed and Otome Brown and Demi Moore get to watch Sam get taken off to heaven. Well, here's a question for you, Heather, since uh, you have love in your heart. (laughs) I do. Unlike Sam... The scene where Demi kisses Tony Goldwyn, did that like rip you apart like it did me? Um, I've seen it so many times, Mike. It probably did. And it's so creepy. You know what? I don't know if it ripped me apart like Demi was betraying Patrick. Yeah. I don't think it ripped me apart in that way. I think that Tony Goldwyn is being such a creep. You know, I think that I think I was overtaken by how creepy a dude could be. You're right, because that does happen in the movie after we've already found out that Tony Goldwyn is the bad guy. And then he does that thing where he spills the coffee when when you're right. It is super creepy. However, I will also now point out that Tony Goldwyn never actually commits a murder. He commissions a wallet to be stolen. He threatens a murder. He personally never commits a murder. So you're just want to poke more holes in my Uh theory. That's exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, past the only other Sam. thing that I think we've skipped over is uh, uh, Sam Wheat's training montage in the subway. Oh, yeah, so fun. Yeah, his force training. Subway force platform. Training. Here's another weird Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing that I notice a lot. And I know it's one of those things that we just remember the numbers that we pay attention to because they're significant to us or whatever. The subway platform was platform 42. Was it? It was. 42 was all over the place in that. I love it so much. Here's a little bit of information about the subway ghost, Vincent Schiavelli. He was married to Elaine Beasley from Moonlighting. And I just got done listening to the audiobook of Curtis Armstrong's autobiography. And he 
was cast as Elaine Beasley's love interest on Moonlighting because Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard couldn't get along enough to have them do entire shows and keep on schedule. They needed to have two other actors so they could follow. So Vincent Schiavelli was so upset that someone was cast to kiss his wife that he called the network to report that Curtis Armstrong was gay and, you know, probably had AIDS just to keep Booger from kissing his wife. And by the way, Curtis Armstrong from Detroit went to Oakland University is not gay. Vincent Schiavelli was always one of those character actors where I was like, oh, I really like that guy. And when I found that out, I was like, oh, that guy's a dick. Fuck that guy. But that might not be true. It might not be true. It came from Curtis Armstrong, so I'm, I'm going to assume it's true. Okay. Both Vincent Schiavelli and Patrick Swayze died at 57. Weird. Yeah. Interesting. Since it sounds like we're about to get into our ideal remake portion, I think we have to start with this. When I was talking to my mom and she was explaining how much she loved this movie, the one thing she said to me that we absolutely positively had to recast was the wardrobe uh, Sam Wheat died in. She hated the outfit he was wearing. What was he wearing? Like that floofy red shirt and black pants. Yeah. That's oddly specific mom. (laughs) It was oddly specific mom. But on behalf of Sam's mom, I think we should take a second and say, hey, Heather and Mike, if you were going to die in an outfit and be forced to wear that outfit for the rest of your lives, what would that outfit be? Oh, interesting. Well, I can tell you that odds are when I die, I will be wearing jeans and a Star Wars shirt of some sort, statistically speaking. Pretty sure I'm going to be nude. How often are you nude, Heather? All the time. I'm naked every single day. How about you? You can't tell because we're recording this remotely, but she is naked now. (laughs) I've been to a nude beat. You work constantly. You hustle and do shows all the time. When do you have enough time where you're not around people? Oh, man, I love that people see me that way. Uh, No, I'm alone a lot. <laughs> I'm often doing nothing. Uh, but and I, you have I, a roommate. She doesn't mind. I'm just kidding. I'm not naked all the time. I'm naked when I get in the shower. So I'm you think you're going to die bath. getting into the shower? <laughs> a lot of people die that way. And falling out of bed. One of those two ways. And if I've just had sex and then I fall out of bed and I die, I'm going to be naked. If I'm in the shower and I fall and I die, I'm going to be naked. I think th- these are the ways I think I'm going to die. This is the conversation my mom would have wanted. R- really? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to die falling out of bed because that's very, very common, more common than being eaten by a shark. Or I'm going to die slipping and falling in the shower, which I've done on several occasions. Or I'm going to be murdered because I just feel like that's going to happen. Or I'm going to be killed in a mudslide. These are very specific. I know. You were being sarcastic about this is just the conversation that your mom wanted. But when I met your parents at your play, your mom did specifically tell me, I would like Sam to be part of more conversations about nudity. (laughs) So I said, Mrs. Gash, I'm going to make that happen. (laughs) And it's done. My parents keep secrets from me that uh, I will never know and understand. And that appears to be one of them because I'm taking you exactly at your word. (laughs) You should. (laughs) My answer is pajamas. Because you're going to fall out of bed that way. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, if I'm going to spend eternity in a particular outfit, I want the outfit to be the most comfortable outfit and pajamas are the most comfortable outfit. I don't want to spend eternity nude unless somehow I get like a full body lift when I die. I, I really don't want to be naked all the time. So, you know, I would be in a beautiful gown. Really. It's like a I, lot of work. If I'm choosing an outfit to stay in, I want to be, I want to be feeling my best. I want full makeup, hair, right. mani-pedi, like smoking hot dress that I'm comfortable in. You want to be killed at winter formal. That's not going to happen, but yes. Now I feel bad for people that die on Halloween. I mean... Like, I don't want to be dressed like Hobbes from Calvin and Hobbes for the rest of my life. I'm wearing a Calvin and Hobbes shirt right now. Yay! Of course you are. That's crazy. It's Calvin and Hobbes, and Calvin is dressed up like Harry Potter, and Hobbes is dressed up like Dumbledore, and Hogwarts is made out of cardboard boxes. It's adorbs. I got it from DesignerCon. It's amazing, and I love it. He's cute, isn't he? Yeah! The Sam. Before we get to ideal remake, I have questions. My first one is, man, hell is harsh. Can we agree that Sam Wheat basically ruins Molly Jensen forever? Because he basically goes away going, here's the thing, all that love in your heart, you get to take it with you. Anyway, I'll see you later. It's not, hey, I want you to be happy. Hey, whatever happens next, you live your life and and you find someone else. No, it's, I'll see you soon. That's not how I interpreted that at all. Because, I mean, me neither. He's dead and she knows he's still around. So it's not like she's going to. He's not still around. He's going to be, he's gone now. Sure. So she gets to live her life. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so can I uh please okay shut me down this is how what is, what is the actual quote that he says it's amazing molly the love inside you take it with you so this is actually like a spiritual practice which i'm totally down with where it talks about the only thing that's real is love and everything else but what is, is an illusion love? love is that connection the baby f- don't love, hurt me love is cano don't hurt me it's lo- love is this damn are you having fun with me no right more. now this is love <laughs> You're laughing and you're smiling and we're having fun. That's love. When you smile at a stranger, that's love. And something you know when when anything good happens, that's love. And that's the only thing that's real. And you don't have to fear not having it. You get to enjoy it because you take it with you. You never lose it. That's how I took it. I didn't take it that way as a kid. I only take it that way because I've read books and practiced spirituality. And now, like I w- 
wouldn't have seen it that way, but I do now and I love it. Boom. I joke a lot because, you know, I'm 11 years older than Allison. Statistically, I'm going to be leaving before she will. And I always, you know, but she always says, oh no, when you get sick and we get near the end, I'm just going to Thelma and Louise us. But yeah, I, I would want her to find happiness after I'm gone. I know that it wouldn't mean that she loved me any less while I was here. I mean, this is this is a heavy conversation. That's what yeah, Ghost well, does, man. That's, that's what, what happens does. at the end of the movie. I think Sam Wheat realizes that Molly's still a young person, and it would be unfair. And I think that the fact that he didn't pass on was because he want, needed to make sure that she was going to be okay, that in making sure that she's okay means that she has to live her life. So I don't think she's ruined for the rest of time. I think she's always going to be, he will always be her first big love, but I think she's going to be able to love again. I mean, she hooked up with Bruce Willis shortly after. <laughs> what else? Uh, and then here's my question. What do, you, what do you actually think happens at the end of this movie? So my guess is that Demi Moore is probably in some pretty deep shit once the scary gangster guys on the phone find out where Carl died. They find out that Willie Lopez died and Carl died mysteriously and Carl died basically in someone's apartment. Jeez. They- Demi Moore, basically, my guess is that Ghost 2 is gangsters coming after Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg, and Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg just wrecking some shit. And frankly, I would watch that movie. Yeah. Right? Like Demi Moore and G.I. Jane? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Have you seen? I have not. Oh, you'd love it. I bet I would. Yeah. But because Otome has the power to speak to the dead, I think she's going to have a definite advantage over any bad guys that come after them. I think so, too. And I think that would be an awesome movie. It would be interesting. Yeah. Man, you have a good mind, Sam. And so my last question is this. Is there a possibility that this is a reverse ghost where this is Demi Moore just fabricating all of this to make up for her own issues and the fact that she herself is the one who is a ghost? Because when they were fighting over the gun, the gun was pointing away from both of them and then it went off, which means that it was pointing towards Demi Moore. Do you really think about this stuff when you're watching movies? All the time. Wow. Do you, Mike? Is this how you watch movies? Uh, no, not on this one. Sam, you're an interesting kid, man. I, I think about stuff. Wow. Well, because, I mean, that's where the ghost, like the gun was pointing. Then they cut away and he's running and then like, oh man, he's chasing after the guy who killed Demi Moore. She's creating in her own head as she also lays dying on the street. Interesting. It's dark. I'm like, that one's dark. I want to watch the Whoopi Goldberg Demi Moore fighting gangsters movie because that sounds amazing. I don't want to watch the, the reverse ghost, but... Yeah, I, I think if this were remade by M. Night Shyamalan, this would be the reverse ghost, which I will say in advance, I do not want M. Night Shyamalan making this movie. I'm kind of good if he's done, just in general. Noted. So, ideal remake. Ghost has already been remade once in Japan in 2010. Was it? it? Made, yes, it made $10 million and starred the actress from the Ringu horror films, which were remade in the States as The Ring. And the original Ghost made $505 million. So, it made 2% of what the original made. In that remake, the woman was the ghost. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that. So, the girl from The Ring grows up and becomes a ghost? I don't know if that's the plot line, Sam, but I know that the woman is... The research that I did, and I could be wrong, said that the woman was was the ghost. So Japan did the reverse ghost thing that I just talked about. Well, I don't know that it's a big reveal at the end that she's a ghost. No, 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 no. But, but like the woman is the ghost. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. That's not how I did my ideal remake, but we'll see. So Heather, you said that you think you did this wrong. What makes you think you did this wrong? Because I do everything wrong, Sam. That's no, why I think I did just, this wrong. I was trying to include you. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. I, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, I, I think that I do everything. Here's my thought about like the actual time period in terms of ghost. As far as the movie's concerned, it's not not modern. So it's not like there's like a major like update like I think if you placed it in the 90s you placed it today it wouldn't be that different the only difference would be I'm not going to like a Wall Street banker like I might change his job but beyond that I think most of the rest of the movie can stay but not everyone on Wall Street is a bad person we need Wall Street it's like saying because I don't know 2% of Catholic priests molest kids that all Catholic priests are bad or you can't make a movie about a Catholic priest and have you root for them the movie Calvary totally proves that wrong you can still have a Wall Street person because the whole MacGuffin for or the movie is needing this password to take this money that's been embezzled. Fair enough. So I think I did do this right because I didn't change much. I have one idea to change Tell a us. lot. Do you want the re... Okay, so do you want the idea that would change everything or just like my recasting where we keep it... Tell us the idea that would change everything. We would make our cast baby boomers and so we'd have a much older cast, which I have, and they would it would be that love story, but the, it wouldn't be such a, a new flourishing romance where they're getting to know each other. It'd be a deeper 
love in some way because they're older characters, you know? Then how would part of what I found particularly heartbreaking about this movie is that he hadn't ever said I love you to her. And that was like the whole ditto moment is because they haven't reached a point in the relationship where they're comfortable and casual each other. Everything is still building. And they finally reach this point where he should be saying I love you. You should be saying like one of the things I found interesting about this movie is that she proposes to him, right? Like, hey, you should marry me. Yes. And that's great. And I like that. I think that they're at this like big crescendo moment of of their relationship. And I feel like if they're baby boomers, if they've been together for 10, 15, 30 years. Okay, so let's say they're not together for a long time. Let's let's still have Cassie older. Let's still attract, uh, have something for the baby boomer crowds. I think this is for you, Sam's mom. Assuming that you're a baby boomer. You might be my age. I don't know. Uh, Sorry, mom. (laughs) Sam's dad is very close to my age. I I do agree with Sam, though. And here's my my reasoning for a a younger cast is that I, I think as guys get older, they're not as timid about saying I love you. And I think part of the tragedy of this is, like Sam was saying earlier, is Demi wrecked for the rest of her life. Just the idea of young love being robbed is just so heartbreaking. You know, they're robbed of this life together before Sam had a chance, Sam Wheat (laughs) having, now I have to differentiate between Sam's, before Sam Wheat has a chance to really come to grips with being vulnerable and saying, I love you. Although Sam Gash has never told me that he loves me, so. Time hasn't been right, Mike. Is it right now? I love you, Mike. You know, Mimi, you're just doing a bit. I I love all your bits. <laughs> Even the tiny bits? I, I love all your tiny bits, Mike. So when you were doing your recast, did you only cast baby boomers? No, I did two. I did one where I pretty much keep it the same. But um, Who are your baby boomers? I'm curious to see... How that would be. Richard Gere would be Sam Wheat, which is a little um, kiss to Pretty Woman, which uh, came after Ghost and I also loved and would have been the other film that I would have probably wanted to talk about. And Jessica Lange would be Molly and Eric Roberts would be Carl, who's a little bit younger. Jessica Lange was in um, American Horror Story for several seasons and killed it. She's yeah. so good right there. Yeah. I'm so happy that she's had this sort of like renaissance to her career. She's so good. As yeah, she's really phenomenal. And and is Eric Roberts, uh Julia Roberts' brother? Yes. Yes. Well that's also uh, a kiss to pretty well. Even I thought would be neat. And this is gonna be terrible because I you know I thought all oh, this would be a great film for the baby boomers and like there's so many baby boomers and you know they love it. But I was like, wouldn't it be neat that whenever they were intimate, they were young again. So it'd still be like super sexy. <laughs> not that they're not well, I mean I don't know if they're sexy or not. Sounds like you just talked yourself out of it being old people. (laughs) When you're in love and you're together, it's like, you know, your body doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Anymore. It's like, it's not about that. We don't have to see Jessica Lange and Richard Gere's liver spotted hands. No, yeah. We'd see like younger versions of them. Yeah. So young people it is. Why can't we just cast hand actors? (laughs) So it's it's Richard Gere and like young people hands? Like, do you not like the concept (laughs) though of like when you touch each other, you're young? Like maybe that's like the magic of it. Young people it is. All right, do you want me to give you my young people? I think, Heather, you just kind of figured out why pedophiles exist. <laughs> oh, gross. Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> I am so ashamed of myself. <laughs> I didn't really All right. follow so, the dots on that one. who do you want to start with? Because here's the thing. It's not a crazy long cast. No, it's very short We cast. have our main five, and I threw in two bonus ones. I have six, so I don't know who your other bonus one is. Let's start with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Uh, you first? Yeah. Okay, I have two, because... First, I cast Chris Pratt because I was like, okay, if I'm going to talk about this and I would recast, who would be Sam Wheat? And I'm like, oh, Chris Pratt would be Sam Wheat. It'd be so much fun to see him learning how to navigate the world now as a ghost. Interesting. And, but he is a, um, I'm going to sound so judgy and I'm really not. This is going to be terrible because I just think he's so wonderful and so dumb of me to say this. But he's a thicker, sexy man. Patrick Swayze wasn't. You know what I mean? Patrick Swayze was like a dancer and just nimble yeah. and sexy in that way. So I was like, okay, I need that. I didn't realize how sexy ghost was i was remembering ghost as funny and watching it again i was like this is like sexy so i had to go with ryan gosling for the sex um part I not that not, chris I pratt not wait, let me like... just say something to chris pratt please do not take this the wrong way because uh i don't really mean it i love you goodbye that was one of those things that i've always noticed about patrick swayze in this and you know roadhouse was definitely much more up my alley when i was a teenage boy watching patrick swayze movies but i always thought wow this guy's really graceful the way he fights and it's because his mom was a choreographer and a dance instructor and, and Patrick Swayze studied ballet that of course he you know he studied martial arts and dance since he was a child mm-hmm. so yeah he does have a very graceful way of fighting yeah well here's my thought about Chris Pratt because I thought Chris Pratt was one of those guys like is one of those instantly likable guys one of those people who you're immediately on his side which is why I think he's the perfect Carl oh 
I think... Okay, then I'm going to jump in here, too, because before my lead gets buried, I also had Chris Pratt for Carl. Yes. The exact opposite reasons that you mentioned Eric Roberts earlier. Like I said, when you see Eric Roberts on screen, you think, oh, this guy's going to be a a scumbag. And for me, looking at this through the lens of seeing some of the roles that Tony Goldwyn has done now, I didn't immediately know that Carl was going to be a bad guy. So I think if you put the star of like the biggest box office movie of all time right now in the Carl Bruner role, it's going to kind of throw off people who aren't familiar with Ghost and go, oh, this is going to be a movie about Sam helping Molly move on with Chris Pratt. And then when you have the reveal that Carl's the bad guy, it's like, what the fuck? Oh my God. I love the idea of Chris Pratt as Carl. That was exactly my logic for it as well, by the way. So you guys are good. I'm behind you on that. Yeah. That way I get to, do I get to have Chris Pratt and Ryan Gosling in this film? Ryan Gosling was my Sam Wheat. <laughs> yes. Was he really? Yes. yes. He cries so well. And part of the thing that they were talking about in casting Patrick Swayze was that he just has these really expressive eyes, but he never cries. Crying is so hard to do on camera. I always get bummed out when a director or an editor does a cut and doesn't just let the actor cry. That's my biggest problem with Lady Bird, the scene at the end where one of the characters has a breakdown. They keep cutting away from that character where I would much rather have that be a long take. Laurie Metcalf, I'm positive, can bring herself to tears on camera, but they kept cutting away from her. Then we can go with Ryan Gosling. We can go with the star of The Notebook for the star of The Ghost. Who did you have for Sam, though, Sam? I had Damon Wayans Jr. Ooh, hmm. Yeah, my friend Katie loves him. He's one of those people who also... Instantly likable. He's done a bunch of comedies, but he's also one of those people who I always like see him as being like a particularly like, emotional person. And I, I just find him compelling. And I think that he's an interesting leading man. And I like Ryan Gosling. You guys have made amazing arguments. and I'm happy to go with Ryan Gosling. I, Heather, I want to hear who you had for Carl Brunner, but I also feel like we're going with Chris Bratt for Carl. So like Ryan Gosling, Chris Pratt are getting used. Yeah, I had Max Greenfield. Oh, so you had someone else from New Girl. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, Schmitty? Schmitty. Oh, let's go with Chris Pratt. Okay. <laughs> I like Schmitty, but Schmitty is interesting because like you kind of expect Schmitty to be a little shitty. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like Chris Pratt, you're just like, this guy's going to be okay. We're yeah, on his side. I like like everything Mike said about Chris Pratt, I think is exactly right. So let's go with that. Sam Wheat as Ryan Gosling. Yes. Carl Brunner as Chris Pratt. Yes. Let's talk about Molly. Yes. Because here's my thing for Molly. I think if we were going to go super on the nose, someone who also has very expressive eyes and someone who's like kind of that sense of who Demi Moore was when the movie was originally made, I feel like you're going to end up with someone like Zoe Deschanel. And so that was like my kind of my first thought. But I think a more interesting choice for this one would be uh, Gina Rodriguez who is the lead actress in Jane the Virgin. Look at her eyes. Wow. And like every single poster I see of Jane the Virgin and the couple of episodes I've watched, like she's just so expressive. And she's one of those people who when she's having fun doing something, she just exudes empathy. Like whatever emotion she's feeling, you feel it too. I really love how her mouth is a gape here because Demi Moore does that a lot in Ghost Mm -hmm. where her mouth is like soft and open. So that's, that's a good call. Can I tell you what mine was? Yes. My one last push for Gina Rodriguez is her production company is called I Can and I Will Productions. Nice. Tell me who you, you have go, for uh, for Demi Moore. Okay, so you know Demi Moore is wearing really short hair in this film, mm-hmm. and she dresses in a masculine way most of the time. She is still very sexy and awesome, but her films before this, she had long hair. So I want to take Gal Gadot and chop off her hair, give her the same haircut. Like I want it to be. I want, her to, I want her to have... You want her to have the short Demi Moore hair? I do. I feel like if we did cast Gal Gadot, if there was that scene in the alley, Gal Gadot would have kicked Willie Lopez's ass. Maybe there is a bit of a, a scuffle. Yeah. Maybe we add like, that. You know what would be even more compelling would be if Demi Moore is the one who goes in fighting and then that thing with the gun happens and Sam Wheat still gets killed even though Demi Moore was the one fighting him off. What if she's the one who actually is holding the gun? I mean, that would that would be heartbreaking. I thought, I thought it would be uh, fun to have Gal Gadot go, go from Wonder Woman to um, Molly. And I'm just a little, I'm just a little, uh, I don't know, wonderstruck. I don't, I, I don't well, what, Mike, who did you have for uh, Molly? I was going specifically off of the big eyes and upper body strength, which Gal Gadot and Gina Rodriguez has such great expressions looking at pictures of her. Who'd you have? I had Daisy Ridley because I thought she also had that build and everything, but you both have made really compelling. Daisy Ridley's a good choice as well. Between the two that you guys said, I really, the only reason I'd lean more towards Gina Rodriguez is just because I know one of the things we really like to do is make sure that our cast isn't so white. I don't know. I could go either way. (laughs) Let's decide between Gal Gadot and Gina Rodriguez later. Let's go back through the rest of our cast and then when we have everyone else, we'll figure out which makes the most sense then. Okay. Okay. I have a feeling that we're going to have some crossover on Otome. I I mean, we all picked Leslie Jones, right? Nope. I had Leslie Jones or Tiffany Haddish. I'm going to kill, I'm going to like mess up her name. So I'm going to give the character that I know her from that she won awards for. 
Crazy Eyes, Orange is the New Black. Oh. How do you oh. say it? Uzo Aduba? How do you pronounce her Uzo name? Uzo Aduba. I actually think that's right. Nice. Yes, Uzo Aduba? Yeah. She, have, do you guys watch Orange is the New Black? Yeah, I don't, but I've seen interviews with her and she's amazing. Yes. And Orange is the New Black, her character isn't beautiful, but she is beautiful. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't have her be feminine in that series, but she is a beautiful woman. When you see pictures of her, she's breathtaking. And she's, you know, she can do the, she's the vulnerable and the discovering and, and the crazy, you know, she's, she does it all and she's honestly doing it all. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Leslie Jones can definitely do all the manic stuff that that Oda May does, but then like the third act stuff, you're right. Uzo Aduba can do that part as well as the beginning. Oh yeah, I'm I'm 100% on board. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's that's so perfect. I feel like I'm winning this podcast. I don't know if you can win a podcast, but I feel like I just did. People keep saying that, and that's not our goal, but if our <laughs> guests keep thinking they win, that's great. Nice. Uzo Aduba for Oda May. Yeah. Mm. Go girl. So our next kind of main cast member is Willie Lopez. Right. Oh my God, I didn't cast Willie Lopez. The way I came across a Willie Lopez was I googled scuzzy looking actors. And I don't think this actor should be cast just because he doesn't really have a lot of big roles. But I want you guys and everyone listening to Google an actor named Loki, spelled like Loki the God, L-O-K-I. He was in Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie and he's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That is a terrifying fucking looking actor. I was thinking he's good looking. Let me see. This one? Oh, no, he is terrifying. Yeah, that man is terrifying. (laughs) And he's probably a great guy just because the guy works a lot. So I'm sure the guy's like a super professional guy. But just judging a book by its cover, I was like, Jesus Christ, that guy's scary. And he's got the face tattoo and everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, some of his pictures, he's very handsome, it. though. I mean, my pick for Willie Lopez was uh, Rick Gonzalez from the TV show Arrow. Uh, he plays the character Wild Dog. Oh, my God. And he's kind of the rough guy in that show, but I feel, but like, I just thought he'd be good at it. Right. Casting this guy named Loki would kind of be better, but I just wanted to, that's who I had. I'm sure that Loki is probably a really delightful person, but fuck, is he scary looking. I've taught a lot of scary looking people who've just gotten out of jail, stuff like Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Really? Wow. Yeah. One of the clients I had for a while was uh, this company called Homeboy Downtown, which exclusively employs people who've just gotten out of jail because the idea is they get job training so they can get integrated back into the workforce. I saw that on like uh, reality TV. I heard about Homeboy either through you or through someone else recently. I think Tom May may have mentioned it, but I'm not positive. I've seen it in a reality show somewhere and I've seen it on the TV. The TV taught me about this. Actually, know where you would have heard about it, Mike? Huh. Um, when we went to the screening of uh, the Hitman's Bodyguard at the WGA, one of the things Homeboy does is they have a cafe called the Homegirl Cafe and they make chips that are sold in like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and stuff uh, all over the country but they also do catering and they go to farmers markets and the catering at the WGA theater is done by homeboy homegirl catering. You're right. Sam's really good at remembering things that are in my brain. When I moved I couldn't remember where I put the screws for mounting my television and he kind of did this weird going through the database and was like you put them in the back part of your car (laughs) they're not in your house. I'm like how do you know this from 2,000 miles away? (laughs) Love. Sure. That's what love can do. Well, Sam will never admit it. Or just a deep, broken brain who can't admit his true feelings for someone whose last name rhymes with Shabbat. Oh. So we're going with Loki? I think we're going with Loki. Are we really over Rick Gonzalez? I love Rick Gonzalez. I think he's great. But if we don't use him now, I can back pocket him for something else cool in the future. Okay. I have a like I have a back pocket register of actors I, and actresses I plan on using for po- future podcasts. And I will just put him right back in because I think this actor's amazing. Every time he's on screen, I think he does an amazing job. And I think Loki's a more interesting choice for this one. Okay. I think that we need to track down this Loki actor and let him know that he's gotten a lot of buzz on this episode of the podcast. I think we should tell. Him. Right. Like, find him on Twitter I don't want to because I'm not. I don't. Not sure if I was the nicest person when I saw his photos the first time. He knows what image he's putting out into the world. Yeah, those are his pictures. And we're also saying that we're sure he's a wonderful person. He may not be. We don't know. <laughs> he's acting enough that I'm sure he's gone to a audition. Like I remember when I got to LA, I was like, oh, I got a bunch of tattoos. I'm going to get cast as like inmate number one. I kept being cast as awkward dad trying really hard to be cool, nerdy teacher trying really hard <laughs> to be cool. So I'm sure that if Loki was like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to go for this role of a CPA. They were like, oh, actually, we're thinking more of like the guy who robs the CPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool. So we'll go with Loki. Why not? So the other two cast members I have are the ER ghost 
and a subway ghost. I only cast subway ghost. I cast subway ghost. I didn't have ER ghost. Well, ER ghost, I basically just made Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. What? I made it Billy Crystal just because the ER ghost kind of reminded me of Miracle Max. Oh. What's he look like now? Billy Crystal was really good in the television series The Comedians. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that show That show was supposed there to be really, is. really good. It just didn't kind of get the, the buzz that it deserved. I know, and that's such a bummer. Billy Crystal for this character, for Great. sure. I like it. For the subway ghost, I have another Sam. I have Sam Lloyd for the subway ghost. Sam Lloyd? Ted from Scrubs. Yeah, he definitely looks a little bit like Vincent Chiavelli. I did also go character actor on that. I thought either Steve Buscemi or Brad Dourif. I went comic. I went Mark Maron or Zach Galifianakis. Ooh. Dourif? Brad Dourif is a character actor who I believe won an Oscar for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which also had Vincent Chiavelli in it, and decided he didn't want to become a movie star. So he quit movies altogether, just went back to New York to do theater, and really didn't do a movie again until he became the voice of Chucky in the Child's Play movies. Oh, wow. I like the idea of Marin. Obviously, I'm biased because Marin is a friend, but I think Marin has, is showing on Glow that he's actually a really good actor, too. He is a really good actor, but I don't know if he's manic and schizophrenic enough to play this particular character. Part oh, of I think he is. It would definitely be the biggest stretch for him in that the way that Vincent Chiavelli plays the ghost is definitely bigger than anything Marin has played before. Marin does always play a few degrees away from Marin. Right. But it would also be kind of neat to see him actually do something that was a couple more degrees away from who he is. I don't know. I feel like we can find a better place for Marin. Like Mark Marin, don't get me wrong. I'm not friends with him, but I also think he's amazing. But I feel like there will be kind of like uh, Rick Gonzalez. I feel like we're going to have a better place for him in one of the future movies that we do. Part of the reason why I lean more towards Sam Lloyd is because like the character of Ted is kind of like the hangdog beaten down by by the world person and th- this subway goes this guy like who literally like decides this subway train is his train is someone who just like everything in, in the world just beat him down beat him down beat him down to like the place where this is his home when the subway ghost first shows up it's pretty frightening yeah. All right. Let's just talk about Steve Buscemi then for a second, because you had thrown him out too, Mike. Steve Buscemi yeah. would be good for this role. Like, he'd obviously be great at this. But then, all right. Are we, have we agreed? <laughs> I'm down with Steve Buscemi. All right. Okay, fine. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. I mean, he was born in Brooklyn. Um. All right. Let's go with Steve Buscemi. It's going to be interesting thinking about Ryan Gosling, too, as Sam Wheat. Yes, I think it will be fun to imagine him being this character. I think it will be fun to imagine him being this character at night, when I'm alone, after a bath, <laughs> with a candle. You want me to leave? I can, I can take <laughs> off. That's what it's We don't need to fun. take care of director and writer. It's fine. Wearing those loose-fitting black dance pants and burgundy blouse. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah, burgundy blouse. <laughs> Sam, can you call your mom and find out what outfit she wants our Sam Wheat to wear, since he can't wear burgundy and black? You're joking, but I could do that. Yeah, why don't you do that while Heather and I try to narrow down between Gina Rodriguez and Gal Gadot. All right, I'll call my mom. You want us to make this decision without you? Did you guys have any other cast members that we haven't gone over? Nope. Mm-mm, nope. All right, then let me call my mother. Hi, mommy. What would he be wearing? What do you got? Corduroy pants? We can hear him coming? <laughs> what do I think is sexy? What do I like a man to wear? Hi, mom. Tank top. Mom's here. Hi. So, mom, we're still in the middle of our ghost podcast recording. Yes. And we wanted to ask your opinion. What do you think the Sam Wheat character should be wearing through the movie? Well, I'm not sure what he should be wearing, but I know that I was distracted by what I thought was just very plain, nerdy clothes. And I really hated that cranberry shirt sweater that he was wearing. Hi, Mom. This is Heather Kozlikowski, uh, comedian guest on the podcast. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I want you to know that Ryan Gosling has been recast as Sam Wheat. So what would you prefer Ryan wear? What do you see him in? Well, I think a nice pair of slacks and um, a more contemporary sweater would be great. What's your definition of slacks? Like black pants or dockers? Like what are slacks? I think um, like suit pants. Yeah, I would say either dockers, chinos, or even black slacks would be great. So black slacks is like what you wear with a suit? Is that what you call black slacks? Yeah, I think so. Okay. No, I think more um, <laughs> casual slacks. Just casual pants? Yeah, casual pants. Casual pants and a sweater? It has to be something that would be classy enough that they would wear to a play. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So casual like, pants, but a like, nice button-down you know, shirt? For, for a Saturday or Sunday afternoon out, but not, you know, something business casual, not something... Um, I mean, if we're being honest, you're, you're basically just describing what dad typically wears. Oh, Exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, all right, so we will go with uh, my father's wardrobe for Ryan Gosling <laughs> as Sam Wheat. Nice. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Thank you very much, Mom. We appreciate my, it. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. That's adorable. <laughs>
Aw, she likes what your dad wears. Yeah. And you thought calling your mom wasn't going to be a, a win. Yeah. That's a home that, run. That was pretty great. It's romantic. It goes with the movie. Yeah. So let's talk about director. Who did you guys have for director? So this is where I think I'm not a, you know, I'm not going to be as qualified. But I will tell you that I love the film Lars and the Real Girl. Have you seen? I haven't, but yes. I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> uh, but it's just such a great movie. The director of that film, who also directed I, Tanya, which I have not seen, but I'm hearing great things about. I recommend it. It's very good. I think Craig Gillespie. Interesting. Mike, who did you have? If there is a problem with Ghost, it's that things just kind of happen to and around Molly. She isn't a person who does a lot of stuff. And I think in the hands of a female director, that could be different. I think Greta Gerwig would do a really good job. I think she, even though she's a West Coast person, I think because she's worked so much with Noah Baumbach that she does have kind of a New York sensibility and would bring that to the story as well, too. I think Greta Gerwig's an interesting choice, and I actually considered her as well. I ended up going with someone else. The only reason I would say I argued myself out of Greta Gerwig when I was sitting at home was because Lady Bird's kind of her story. The the counter-argument for that, of course, is that she also probably grew up with ghosts. Like, this is probably a story that she's very familiar with and would have her own way to tell. So I'm not opposed to Greta Gerwig. I think that that's an interesting choice. However, I would also say that there is a strong female in this movie, but it's Otome Brown as opposed to Demi Moore. That's true. My choice for director was Guillermo del Toro because it's a love story with fantasy elements. That's Shape of Water. I haven't seen Shape of Water, but I saw it, but it looks fantastic. I have to get out and see some movies. Yeah, gotta get, gotta, gotta get, go out and meet some friends with screeners. I gotta go out and make friends. Yes, Sam. Being someone who's able to do the love story well is one thing, but we also need someone who can do kind of this fantastical world. Guillermo del Toro would definitely be able to make that aspect of it more visually interesting. But I think the things that Guillermo del Toro like to do more are make us look at monsters in different ways. I don't know that it's necessarily the fantasy that he's into as much as it's let's look at horror and monsters differently. Then of the three things that we have, have, then I would actually lean more towards Craig Gillespie. Gillespie? Yeah, because I, I think Lars and the Rural Girl and I, Tanya are interesting dynamics and good, strong character pieces. Like, this is the time in these people's lives. It's it's not about anything else going on in the outside world. It's about what's happening to this person right now. Well, let's go for Craig. Craig is a guy who definitely has made some really great movies. I was dismissive because I believe he's Australian, and I really Ooh. wanted to get a New Yorker in it. But I, Tanya is such an American movie. That's such an American story. And he nailed it. There's no reason to think that Craig Gillespie couldn't do this. And there's a lot of really innovative scenes in I, Tanya where they're doing those long shots of her going through the skating routines. Technically, Craig Gillespie can definitely pull off a movie like this. So yeah, let's go Craig Gillespie. Cool. I'd like to compliment the two of you right now because this is what I got from your podcast when I was listening before I was coming on and why I was intimidated. It's these sections where you guys do this like you're getting paid for it like (laughs) this movie is happening we need to make this decision and I respect that. It's intimidating, but it's like you're getting paid for. You're, you're in. I mean, and yet at the end of the day, we were arguing for what your choice was. I didn't have. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't have a choice about this one. Oh, wait. No, it was that my choice. Literally, we were fighting for you. Sorry. I know I did sort of like, I was just like, man, these guys are, I was just really observing you two being really into explaining your ideas as if a paycheck was coming. Well, I mean, that's someday. I, I think, I hope so. I would never be able to do that for you, but I hope so. Hey, we appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for the compliment, Heather. Sam and I do enjoy doing this. You're welcome. Okay, let's pick our writer. I was still on the Greta Gerwig Noah Baumbach train and I think that they do really interesting lovely stories about love and relationships so that's why I had them as writing the movie. Interesting. My writer is Lorene Scafaria. The reason I picked her is because she wrote and directed Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Oh. Uh, The reason I picked her is because part of what makes Ghost interesting and compelling is that it's a love story but they don't end up together so it's, it's a love story that is also devastating and I have never been more devastated been, than by like an almost love story than I have been with Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. That's a movie I own as well. I really like that movie a lot. It's so good. So that's what that's why I wanted to pick her because I, I thought I thought that she just did a phenomenal job. Yeah, let's go with her. It's not like Noah Baumbach and uh, Greta Gerwig don't have plenty of work. So let's give this pretend work to Lorene 
Gafaria as well. Yeah. Congratulations. Okay. We need to settle on our Molly, though. All right. Who's it going to be? Gina Rodriguez or Gal Gadot? Is it for Mike to decide? I think it's for Mike to decide because... Yeah. I think we should let our guest decide. Well... Heather? Gal Gadot. It's all up to you. Don't fuck this up, Heather. I swear to God. Well, I thought we couldn't swear on this well, podcast. Oh, yeah. No, you can swear. Well, that's why I think it's up to you, Mike, because Heather's obviously going to pull for Gal Gadot, and I'm obviously going to pull for Gina Rodriguez. They're our respective picks. I feel like if I pick one of them, I'm picking between the two of you as people, and I don't want to do that. All right, Sam. Um, how all about right. we do um, Thumb Wars? All right. Thumb War? This right, is, is this how it works in Hollywood, right? Yeah, that's right. We can't decide. How do you start? Jimmy? One, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war. Oh, boy. Yay! This One, is great for two, a podcast. Three, and <laughs> you got me. It's Gina Rodriguez. Oh, no. I'm sorry, Gail. <laughs> Uh, Sam won. I would have put money on Heather. I am quite an athlete. Yeah. A thumb leap. That's cute. Yeah, but you don't fuck with Heather's thumbs. I was a, a, a gentle thumb wrestler. Had I known we could swear, man, this podcast would have been totally different. Heather, I've been swearing the whole time. Have you just become callous to my potty mouth? I must have. It was only the F-bombs that you dropped recently that I thought that I'd even registered with me. Oh. All right. Well, we have Craig Gillespie directing Ghost, written by Lorene Scafaria, starring Ryan Gosling as Sam Wheat, Gina Rodriguez as Molly, Uzo Aduba playing Oda May, Carl Bruner is the lovable Chris Pratt. Man, I have a man crush on Chris Pratt. <laughs> Willie Lopez is character actor Loki. Steve Buscemi is the subway ghost. And the ER ghost is the great Billy Crystal. Man, this is going to be a good movie. It's going to be a good movie. So you have the Laugh Riot Dolls at Laugh Fest that you have produced that show. What other shows do you have coming up both here and in California? I'm at the Comedy Store tonight. Well, and that's that doesn't a- help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. Heather was at the Comedy Store February 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's it. Where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, it's a website, which I haven't been updating, but I should. Uh, HeatherKozlikowski.com. And then it's at Kozlikowski on Twitter. Do you want to spell that? Kozlikowski on Instagram. And yes, I will spell it. And Mike's, Mike got at me right away with this one. He was like, nice one, Heather. They're going to be able to find you real easy. <laughs> like, how many followers do you have? They found me, Mike. <laughs> um, do you remember that? Yeah, of course I do. I'm so, I know, because I'm so off-putting. I really, I love people, but sometimes I'm very off-putting, and I know this. K-O-Z-L-A-K-O-W-S-K-I. I want to say this about Heather being one of my friends and peers. A lot of comedians really want to just push their own career forward. But Heather is one of those comedians who spends as much time boosting the other people around her who she's a fan of as much as she does herself. She is a completely selfless person, and that is why she is one of my favorite people. Heather's just good people. She's super funny on stage. She's incredibly great at promoting and marketing shows as well. She's the real deal. She's good people. Seek out both her work and the work that she endorses because she isn't going to endorse shit. She endorses stuff that she stands behind. That's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope we keep in the therapy stuff so that makes sense. I don't just sound like a dick. Thank you, Mike. No problem. This was fun, guys. Yeah, yeah, this was great. You can find Sam, who I... It's a bummer that you really have to be friends with Sam in order to have this privilege, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. Sam is a screenwriter who his scripts are fun to read. A lot of times when someone gives you a screenplay and says, hey, can you check this out? Screenplays can be technical documents and just aren't a lot of fun, but reading a Sam Gash script is an enjoyable experience in itself. You can find him online at at Sam Gash, G-A-S-C-H, and check out his work. He acts, he writes, he's a He's a mensch. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Mike can be found online everywhere at Off the Mike, O-F-F-T-H-E-M-I-K-E. Heather, thanks for being our guest on this episode. This was really fun. And thanks for turning us on to the movie Ghost. This was a blind spot for me and I really enjoyed watching it. You're welcome. I'm so glad you guys liked it. And thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. And we hope you had a wonderful and amazing Valentine's Day. I bet a ghost the entire time. Woo!